Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. So less than a year ago, a, uh, the U.S. Surgeon General came out with an alarming warning to the United States. Um, they wanted to raise awareness about a national health crisis. And the crisis that he was warning America about that is infecting America is the crisis of loneliness. He said that social disconnection is as dangerous as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Dr. Vivek Murthy added to this saying, you know, mental health is the defining public health crisis of our time. And for many Americans, loneliness is at the heart of that crisis. At any given moment, about half our fellow citizens are experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. It is not something we talk about or easily see. And he says, loneliness is a condition that is hidden in the shadows. Social disconnection puts us at increased risk of depression, anxiety, and suicide, as well as heightening our risk of stress-related physical ailments like heart disease, stroke, and dementia. You know, in America, we pride ourselves on our individuality and our independence, and yet the thing that we are so proud of is the very thing that is killing us. I think this is particularly true in the United States. When I was in youth ministry, I would lead missions to third world countries or certain places where people, there would just be like this huge town of cardboard houses. And people would live in one room cardboard houses with their whole family. And after we would go and we'd minister to the people, we would leave. And as we would debrief, I'd ask the kids, hey, you know, what's, what, what's going on in your head and your heart? And they're like, I just don't understand like, what don't you understand? These people have nothing, but they are so happy. Why is that? And, and as I heard that again and again, the only conclusion I could come to is that we who are Americans have everything except the one thing that they have, which is relationships. You see, when you live in one room house with your family, you can't isolate into your room or, you know, into the basement. You, you're together. You have relationships they were happier because we are created for relationships. We are created for connection. And there have been many inventions that have promised this connection that have failed us, whether it be the computer, the internet, social media, phones, all good gifts from God. But when we grow addicted to them, it divides us and isolates us. As I was reading through all of the information about this national health crisis of isolation, I thought to myself, I wonder if the number one preventable cause of death in America is loneliness because of all of the side effects that it causes. See, our natural tendency, what is easy for us to go downstream, to float downstream 
is to isolate, to isolate to our own destruction. But the good news is that God has a better plan. God has a remedy for this problem of loneliness and isolation, and his remedy is called the church. You see, the church is not simply a building brick and mortar. More than that, it is a community of people who are invested in each other's lives, as we talked about last week. See, God is not alone. God has actually put himself in community. It's called the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because you are made in the image of God, you too are made for community. You are created for connection. No matter how introverted you are, God made you. God made you to be with other people, to have spiritual intimacy with others. And this is done inside the context of a thriving church community. If you would, please open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 in your Bibles. Uh, If you don't have one, there should be a red Bible in the seat in front of you. And it is page 986 in that red Bible. Again, just to kind of remind you of the context, uh, Paul and Timothy and Silas were going on their second missionary journey. They went to Thessalonica where they preached the gospel for three weeks. After three weeks of preaching the good news of the gospel, they were forced out of town by those that were opponents to the gospel and they had to leave. And because of that, some of those opponents started slandering Paul, uh, saying, you know, Paul doesn't really care about you. Here today, gone tomorrow. Um, you know, we're still here. You know, this gospel thing is not true. Just come back to us. And so Paul is worried uh, that maybe they have abandoned the faith. And so finally, a year later, Paul sends his, his son in the faith, Timothy, back to Thessalonica to check in on them, to see how they're doing. And Timothy comes back and gives a report. And this is Paul's response to the report from Timothy, okay? So let's start actually in verse five for the context. And then we'll go through verse 13. Paul says this, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Verse 6 is a major transition in the book as he focuses now more on the present. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have become comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Let's pray. Lord God, we know that surely there are many here today that are suffering from loneliness. Maybe it's a physical loneliness because they live by themselves or 
don't have other people involved in their life. Maybe it's an emotional loneliness. They're surrounded by people, but they feel like no one understands them. Maybe it's a spiritual loneliness, God, in which they feel like there's no one to help them grow in their faith in Christ. Lord God, we pray today that you would remind us of the gift of your church. And God, that we would be the church that you have called us to be towards one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I know some of you are here today and you're like, I don't struggle with loneliness. As a matter of fact, I need more alone time, right? And that's okay. Alone time is definitely a gift from God. But even if you don't struggle with loneliness, there's a very high chance the person in front of you or next to you or behind you does struggle with loneliness, does suffer through loneliness. And so today is an opportunity for us as a church to learn from God, how do we confront this epidemic of loneliness? How do we create a thriving church community here at Jacob's Well Church? And there's three things that we're gonna see, three things that we're called to do to become part of a thriving church community. One is to be tethered, two is to supply, and three is to pray, to tether, supply, and pray. So first, how can we thrive as a church community? And what we see is that we are called to tether our lives to one another. If you remember last week, we talked a lot about Paul's spiritual investment in the Thessalonians and how we are hindered from spiritual investing in others because we have an enemy, Satan, that does not want us to invest spiritually in one another. But there is a hope with our spiritual investment that as we invest with people, that we would be able to get them ready to prepare to give them to Jesus. And as we do this, there are certain hardships, the sacrifice of time and energy and effort, maybe some emotional, maybe some physical hardships that come with it. But we saw how just a small investment spiritually can have such a huge return. What we'll see in this passage is that because Paul has invested himself in the Thessalonians, when he was there, but also in prayer as he was gone, Paul has tethered himself to their condition, to their spiritual condition, to the well-being of the Thessalonians. Look again in verse 6 here. Paul says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly as, and long to see us as we long to see you. The Greek word used here for good news is the word euagalizo, which is often used in the proclamation of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here Paul is saying, this is gospel good news to me. It is gospel good news to do, know that you're doing well in your faith and in love, that you're growing in Christ. And yet Paul uses this passage today to remind us that this is what it's like when we invest in others, that we are, we're connected, we get tethered to people when we invest in them. You know, and so it's, it's kind of like if you tied yourself to a rock, right? If a rock, rock gets thrown in the water, it pulls you down. It makes, you know, it, it, but if you're connected to a hot air balloon, it takes off, it takes you up into the heavens. In the same way, we see this with Paul, verse seven. He says, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and afflictions, we have been comforted about you through your faith. And then Paul expresses just how much this has impacted him. It's kind of like, settle down, Paul, right? Verse eight, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake 
before our God. Paul is overjoyed because he has invested in the Thessalonians and because he's invested in them, he's tethered to their condition. You see, the reality is, is whomever or whatever we invest our life in, we will be tethered to. Let me give you several illustrations of this. First, a financial illustration. If you invested a quarter of your money a year ago in Carvana, you're probably pretty happy right now because it did very well over the past year. I think it went up a thousand percent. And so you're overjoyed because you invested it, you're tethered to it. As well as if you invested in a bad stock and it went down, you get sad because you're tethered to what you have invested in. That's a financial illustration. Let me give you a sports illustration. Today, you'll probably see some people that look like this, right? And, and you can tell what this guy is invested in, can't you? It's not hard to tell. He's invested in the 49ers, in the, in the 49er mafia. And so, you know, he's invested his time, his money, his energy, all of those things in this team. And then there's this guy. And you can tell what he's invested in. He's invested in the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And because they are invested in these teams, they are intertwined with these teams. They are tethered to these teams. And so at the end of the day today, one of these guys is going to be very, very happy. And one of these guys is going to be very, very sad. I don't know which one it is. But because they're tethered to their team, their, their joy and their sadness is connected to this team. Let me give you one more example, which is spiritually related, which is more what Paul is talking about. This past week, I, I watched and sat with one of my elders as he was weeping over someone whom he has invested in, who is abandoning the faith and making devastating decisions because he has been linked up with this person. I've also sat with a man who is overjoyed because his son who he has invested in has been coming back and being faithful to church and sharing his faith with other people. Whomever or whatever we invest in, our joy and delight will be tethered to. You know, we said isolating is easy. Connection is hard. Community is hard. Community usually means you have to leave your house. You have to make time in your schedule for it. Uh, it means you have to be with people that are not always easy to get along with. Sometimes people will hurt you or disappoint you. Isolating is easy. Connecting can be hard, but as the U.S. general surgeon has told us, it can literally kill us if we isolate because God created us for a community. So the question is, how can you have that community that Paul is modeling for us? How can you be tethered to other people and in the faith? And there's, there's many ways to do it. One of the major ways we do it here at Jacob's Well Church is through small groups, through community groups, through triads. You can look at the map at the wall in the atrium, and that's the way that we tether ourselves together. Uh, the other way you can do this just very modestly is through serving or through going through a men's retreat or a women's movie night. Those are ways to start that connectionalism. But we were created for connection. And so may this be an encouragement to you. If you aren't connected, to get connected. Just recap, how do we, the church, become the thriving community God intended us to be? And it's by investing our time and energy and care and lives into one another, tethering ourselves together. Secondly, it's by supplying, supplying what is lacking in the faith of one another. Look at verse 9 with me again. It says, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day 
that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And for this reason, he prays this in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Remember just earlier, Paul was was praising God. He's saying, your faith is going well. I'm so thankful for how healthy you are, how you are standing firm in the faith. But Paul knew even though their firmness in the faith did not mean they did not lack in the faith, that they still had areas that they needed to grow in in gospel awareness and theological knowledge. He knew these things to be true. Next week, as as we talked about, it's gonna be a PG-13 sermon because the gospel has not yet fully translated into their sexual ethics and how they live their life. At the end of every chapter in 1 Thessalonians, I mean, there were no chapters when Paul wrote this, but at the end of every chapter, Paul is encouraging them with good doctrine about the second coming of Christ because their doctrine was lacking about the second coming of Christ. And so Paul says, I want to come and to supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, let me give you this quiz question. How many people at Jacobsville Church do you think are lacking in their faith? The answer is 100%, right? Except for Jesus. Jesus here, Jesus isn't, but 100%. You see, all of us have certain areas that we are strong in our faith, right? All of us have areas that we are weak in our faith. And God puts us together that we can supply our strength and their weakness. And we can provide for them what is lacking in their faith. You know, just this past Sunday, we were at community group and we were sharing about the Everyone Pursue One campaign and talking about people that, that we believe God has put on our heart. And, and I talked about the two guys that God was putting on my heart to pursue with the good news of Jesus. And then I made the mistake of mentioning uh, one of my neighbors. And I said, you know, I, I would like that guy to know Jesus, but it's just too scary. It's too scary to share with him. And, and uh, my wife knew exactly who I was talking about. And, and then Jim... Uh, lovingly rebukes me in front of the entire group. And he's like, Dan, that's why God put you in this neighborhood. I'm like, you're right, Jim. I know it. I'm sorry, right? See, he was providing what was lacking in my faith in that moment. We need each other to do that. And we don't even know what our lack is sometimes. There are blind spots. God puts us together to call out the blind spots so that we might grow in our faith in Christ. And so how do we, the church, become the community God has intended us to be, this thriving community of believers? Well, it's by tethering ourselves to one another, by investing in one another, and by supplying for one another's faith. Finally, it's by praying God's increase upon one another. Look at verse 11 with me again. And verse 11 through 13, it's just this beautiful prayer from the heart of Paul towards God. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Two times in two verses, verse 10 and 11, he says, I don't want to do this over a letter. Don't want to do it over email. I want to come to you face to face in person to encourage you in your faith. Relationship, connection in person is very important. Verse 12, he says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Again, remember at the beginning of this passage that we're studying, Paul praises God for their faith, but he also praises God for their love, that they love one another and that they love Paul and Silas and Timothy. But Paul is saying, as much as we give thanks to God for how much you love one another, there is room to grow. And we are praying that God would make you abound in love because it is the work of God to make you grow in love. See, the reality is, is, 
we are not always easy to love. And we don't always love, we don't, it's not always easy for us to love other people. And so Paul prays that God himself would make them increase in their love, that they might manifest the love of Jesus towards one another. See, this was Jesus' command as well. John 13, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love, if you have love for one another. For Paul, the identifying feature of a Christian was not that they went on mission trips. It wasn't that they could spew out Bible verses. It wasn't that they had a seminary education. What made a Christian a Christian was someone who was marked by love. And so the question is, are you marked by love? Do people look at you and say, that person loves me well? Jesus calls us to love one another. Paul prays that we would abound and increase in love for one another. You know, in 1 Corinthians, there's this passage in chapter 13 that's often pulled out in wedding ceremonies. And it's, it's fine for wedding ceremonies, but that was not why Paul wrote it. Paul originally wrote this passage for Christians in the church who are struggling to love one another. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. It's gonna sound familiar to many of you. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men, which would be very impressive, and of angels, even more impressive, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, that'd be amazing, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, that's a lot of faith, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul prays that we may abound in love because love is the soil of gospel grace and growth, as we'll see here in a little bit. You know, let me just be honest with you. Uh, it's weird preaching this sermon because I actually think Jacob's Well is a very loving congregation. Uh, when, I, when I go to membership class and we ask, hey, why are you thinking about becoming members here? A lot of times people say, because I feel very loved here and cared for here. Uh, I hear rumors of you guys loving on each other all the time, and it's not a church program. I hear rumors of people, you know, will, will, will snow blow or shovel someone's driveway who's in need, or they'll bring a meal to someone that's in need, or they'll just grab coffee with someone who's in need. You guys love each other very well. We, we may not be the most loving church in the world, but I don't know if I've been a part of a church that is more loving than Jacob's Well Church. Matter of fact, to kind of side, I met with a couple this week and they said, you know, I know every church has a lot of fractions and division. It's just the way it is. I'm like, man, our church is really loving. We have disagreements for sure, but we approach one another in love. And I'm so thankful for that. And so we're a very loving church. But with that being said, we still have room to grow. <laughs> we can still overflow and abound with love. There are still people in our congregation who are lonely, that feel marginalized, unnoticed, uncherished, and unloved. We are still a little bit clicky at times. We're a little consumeristic, a little self-focused. We still hold grudges and struggle with bitterness and resentment. Jakeswell Church, you love one another well, but may the Lord increase and abound our love for one another. 
Paul continues in verse 12. He says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Not just those inside the church, but maybe those visiting the church or outside the church, our neighbors, our friends, the newcomers to church. May we love all as we do for you, Paul says. And then get this. He says, so that, and this is very interesting, he's saying, may your love for one another grow. May you guys abound in love for one another for this purpose, that this may bear fruit in this way. So that he, God, may establish your hearts blameless and holy. Jesus, excuse me. He, Jesus, may establish your hearts blameless and holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul is saying that what is critical to our growth in godliness is the love of the brothers and sisters in Christ around us. You see that the commandments of God are really good, they're really helpful, they're, they're beautiful, but they're not the fertile that, 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 that makes us grow in godliness. They are kind of the trellis, the guides that direct us how we can grow in Christ's likeness. They're very helpful, we need them. But what actually changes and transforms the heart to grow in godliness is the love of God, which is often expressed through other believers in the church. You know, the Beatles said, all you need is love. I don't think all we need is love. We need more than love. But Huey Lewis and the News said, that's the power of love. Maybe you know the song. It's a great song. But it kind of goes like this. By the way, someone, child this week, told me they love my singing. Um, but I'm not going to give it to you today. Sorry. So it goes like this. The power of love is a curious thing. Makes one man weep. I've been there. Makes another man sing. I've been there as well. Tougher than diamonds, richer than cream, stronger and harder than a bad girl's dream. I have no idea what that means. Six make, makes a bad one good, right? Like if a guy's in love, he's like, I want to be a gentleman. I want to act better. I want to be a better human being. I want to pick up my socks on the floor. Makes a wrong one right. Power of love will keep you home at night. Don't need money. Don't need fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong and it's sudden and it's cruel sometimes. And then he says, but it might just save your life. That is the power of love. In verse 12 through 13, Paul is praying that our love might abound over onto one another, that we might grow in godliness for Christ. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, it was fantastic. And Josh, who runs Ephesians 5 ministry, uh, which helps men out of addiction, said that in all of his years of running this ministry, he has never met the guy who came out of the addiction by himself. Every time a man comes out of the addiction, it is because he has been helped and loved by a brother in Christ, someone who has tethered themselves to them and said, I am in this with you to care for you, to fight for you, and to love you. When we first started the men's breakfast, I asked Pastor Spencer, if you spoke at a men's breakfast, what would you want to speak on? And he said, I would speak on spiritual friendship because many of the people I see in the counseling center that are struggling with deep addiction don't have any friends in their life at all. You know, fear is a powerful motivator for godliness, but it is not as strong as love. Love is stronger than fear. And the greatest example of this is at the cross. You see, when we look to the cross, we, remind, we are reminded of how scary the cross is. Do you remember how afraid of the cross Jesus was? He was so afraid of the cross that he, as he thought about it, he started to sweat drips of blood. He was so afraid of the cross. 
Jesus was so terrorized and enduring the wrath of God for the sin of humanity that Jesus said, God, the Father, is there a plan B? Is there any other way that we can accomplish this goal of the salvation than the cross? And of course, God said no. Jesus was terrorized by the cross. He could have called down 12 legions of angels to free him from the cross. But what was more powerful than his legitimate fear was his overwhelming love. Was Jesus' love for you, for your brother and sister in Christ next to you, for the church universal. My old friend Dick Buechler, who's now with the Lord, used to remind me this. Every time I'd visit him, he would say, you know, it was not the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was love. And it's true, Jesus could have come down. But he loved you so much that he gave himself as a sacrifice for your sin so that you could be the joy of God and be returned to God in a relationship with him. Fear may deter sin temporarily, but love is what conquered sin. And it is the love of Christ through the church that is the soil for helping us grow in godliness. So just for you, how can we thrive in church community? Well, we must be tethered together in our lives, investing in one another. We must supply what is lacking in one another's faith by interacting with one another. And we must pray God's increase of love towards one another, which bears fruit in godliness. Let me end with this. I read a story this week of a of a family who went to church and um, they, uh, they went into church and, and as they left and got in the car and started driving home, the, the father started saying, you know, that pastor was kind of long-winded and the music wasn't that great. It was kind of loud. It was off-key. Um, you know, the people were so, they, they were kind of friendly, but pretty superficial, pretty shallow. Um, you know, that just kind of, you know, airing his grievances. And his son, who's in the back seat, was sitting next to him in the church service uh, when they were passing the, the plate around. And his son responded to him and said, Dad, what did you expect for a dollar? Did you expect a better show? It's what you're going to get for a dollar, Dad. You know, we live in a very consumeristic culture. And sadly, this has bled over into the church in which we have very low investment and expect very high return. But that doesn't happen. God calls us to invest deeply in the church, to not have one foot in and one foot out. Listen, if you're new here, I get it. You're checking it out. That's totally fine. But if you've been here for a while, if you say, this is my church family, God doesn't want you to have one foot in and one foot out. He wants you to jump in with both feet. God doesn't want you to keep people at arm's length, but to draw them near and to embrace them in love. Maybe you've been here for a while and you're like, I can't do this at this church for whatever reason. I'd encourage you, go to a church where you can do that because it is so important to jump all in. You know, I know this can be scary for people. I know that when they've gone all in before, they've gotten hurt, they've gotten wounded, they've been used and abused. But going on all in is so much better than the alternative. You've probably heard it said it is better to love and lost than to never have loved at all. I prefer the C.S. Lewis quote, which says this. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. 
If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it in carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness, I would add, or your isolation. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Friends, we have said it is hard to pursue community, to invest in one another. There's many times it will cause hurt and pain in our lives. But it is so much better than the alternative of dying the slow death of loneliness. God has created you to be in a thriving community of believers for our good and for his glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we are thankful for your word again. That is a reminder to us of what a benefit the church is, God, how the church is your idea for our good. And and God, there's many times that we want to stay at a distance, keep people at arm's length because we're scared or because we're frustrated or whatever it might be, God. Lord, pray that you will help us to abound in love for one another that we might enjoy the blessing of Christ through one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.